0: For a country that has put innovation at the center of its growth strategy, China has a curious relationship with technology. Every day, more people in China than anywhere else in the world go to work to censor, manipulate, and police the online behavior of their fellow citizens. Censorship and propaganda are as old as the Chinese state, and yet China's efforts to control the internet have intensified since President Xi Jinping came to power in 2012. Today, even the most innocuous comment on social media can earn a visit from the authorities. But as my guest today points out, not even the Great Firewall is impenetrable. Qiang is a research scientist at the School of Information at the University of California, Berkeley, and he's one of the world's leading experts on circumventing Chinese internet censorship. I caught up with Xiao on the sidelines of the Forum 2000 Democracy Conference held in Prague in early October last year. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm the producer. Greg is here. Hi, Michal. How are you? Are you okay with doing something a little bit unconventional? Yeah. Yeah. The whole four. You'll sit on this side. Those are your headphones.
1: So I'll, I'll speaking towards this. This yeah. is you, yeah. yeah. I've right yeah. done some interviews in my life before, but this is far more a, a creative setting <laughs> than, <yeah. laughs> than some of the what? others. Uh-huh. It, it, it makes me happy. I, like, a good, <laughs> I think I can do a better interview than the other settings. <laughs> so uh,
0: let's get right to it. There's there's some noise behind us, but we'll try to drown it out as we focus on the uh, incredibly important and uh, at times uh, frustrating. Uh, reality that is the Chinese censorship and surveillance model. So uh, you've been following the development of China's so-called Great Firewall for many, many years now, and you know when it began in the late '90s, the the focus, as far as I could tell, was largely on blocking Western or or, or websites that were deemed, uh, you know not in line with, with Communist Party policy. Today, the the Great Firewall is so much more than that. So let's start, if we could, with an overview of digital censorship uh, and surveillance in China today.
1: What is the firewall and, and uh, how does it work? Sure. Uh, Great Firewall, of course, is a, is a nickname that uh, uh, people gave to uh, the China censorship mechanism uh, since the Internet age. Uh, it also has a specific target uh, of this word, which is a there is an actual, uh, not precisely, it's not a firewall, but it's a filtering system that on the uh, national gateways of the internet in the Chinese border, uh, internet border, or cyber border, uh, that are actively f- monitoring and filtering the uh, traffic, uh, internet traffic from China to outside of the world and vice versa. So in the broader sense, we use this word China's Great Firewall to describe the entire set of the system, systematic, institutional, and uh, uh, logistical effort, computing effort, that China control the Internet, uh, censorship, propaganda, surveillance, etc., particularly censorship and surveillance. Mm. But in the narrow sense, we can also refer to that specific uh, software and hardware, uh, and and the human system that uh, filtering the traffic between China and the rest of the world. I mean, does it extend
0: to people as well? Uh, you know, the 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 idea that um, I think most people have is that we're talking about technology only, but you've written about the 50 cent army and millions of people that are uh, actively seeking to engage with and change narratives online. So do you lump that into your definition of of this kind of idea of a a great firewall, or is that going a a bit uh, in a different direction?
1: Well, let's talk about generally the censorship and the surveillance of the Chinese totalitarian state this you know of course this is nothing new the the control of information to suppressing the people's freedom of expression and uh, including influencing and control the public opinion in china this has been always as a uh, dictatorship uh, state but since the uh, digital technology uh, particularly Internet being introduced in China since the middle 90s, uh, there is certainly a rising new hope from civil society that and now people have a new space, can speak out much more freely uh, than before, and then they have this fantastic new technology can coordinate their actions and giving them the unprecedented opportunity to speak up. Uh, all of them above are true, and then they met to the state, Effort, the grandiose effort from legal, political, administrative through the business, to trying to crack down on that cyber public sphere ever since uh, uh, then. So there's an evolution of it. The specific piece of great firewall, which is filtering the information between China to the outside, is a one component of the entire system, like the 50 Cents Army, the online censorship, uh, the deleting of the posts, the keywords filtering. Uh, These are the sort of the domestically controlling the information space effort. Uh, In addition to that, there is a set of the uh, software and hardware on the cyber border to filtering the information. And i rather focus on that as a Uh, a great firewall in the narrow sense, but a uh, censorship at a surveillance state uh, set up in the general uh, term. Okay, You recently wrote a
0: piece um, in uh, the Washington Post in which you described in your opening this this story uh, of a former lawyer in Shandong province, Zhou Baowei. And for me, it really kind of illustrates the lengths to which China will go to defend the party line in cyberspace. And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, that case, what Joe said, what the
1: authorities did, uh, and is this normal? Uh, This is actually a new norm. That since the internet came into China from mid '90s, and gradually there's the blogs, there's the microblogs, and there's the internet forums. Despite all the government effort, the censorship, the arresting people, and uh, 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 sort of hiring the uh, online uh, what we call the 15th Army, essentially to just spin the government lines, the rise of the public opinion inside of China, including a lot of our direct critics. Uh, uh, to the government, it it has been a phenomenon uh, all the way until 2011 government was so worried about this new rise of the public opinion and the ideologically uh, uh, lost control of the Chinese population. So as soon as the uh, new president Xi Jinping came in power, the new wave of campaign to crackdown on the internet speech uh, is unprecedented. Uh, That brought the China's internet uh, public sphere to the new norm, which is even sarcastically questioning a, some official promoted figure uh, become a crime. And so people who haven't maybe read your story or are aware of, of uh, this, this specific case, just walk us through it. It was the official media was promoting this one particular individual uh, who is an engineer, actually, uh, died uh, not too long ago. That the, His story, according to official media, was that he was so dedicated to the uh, state uh, national defense project, in essentially the nuclear weapon uh, program, uh, nuclear submarine program, that because the, the top secret, he never told his parents for 30 years yeah, what he was really doing. And I couldn't see them, but then the one of the the reader uh, simply just on his uh, own uh, social media said, "Well, how?" But that kind of so-called patriotic effort is really uh, demoralizing because think of her for his parents, and, and the reader yeah. is Joe Bao Wei, Yeah, that yeah, Joe Wei is the reader, right? So he's questioning the moral meaning of that story. Right. But that itself already got him in trouble. That's how. The uh, today's uh, Chinese censorship what I call the new norm is that those uh, party lines including the, the so-called models or the figures they are promoting, they're not allowed uh, the negative critics. Mm. Yeah. If you do and the police will find you. And that is how scary it is. And the police did find him in this case, right? That's right. Because online, everybody has a digital trace, and Chinese internet police has capacity pretty much to find anyone when they want. To. And this guy
0: was in his 50s or 60s. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. But what was the punishment? It was something like $70 fine, or
1: right? But but think about what his crime. His crime is just questioning whether you know that is an ethical behavior to not telling your parents what to do
0: for 30 years. So that story that you just described. I mean that aggressive response leaves the impression for people uh, who are in the West or outside of, of China to think that digital censorship in China is omnipotent and impenetrable. But that's not really the case. I mean, much of your work focuses on helping users inside China jump out, uh, or over the firewall. Let's get down to specifics and, and tell us how
1: you do that. How do you go about your work? Right. Uh, right. That's only one side of the story. It's all seeing states uh, are trying to preserving their power and the control and with the technical capacity to do it. But on the other side is the internet users, which in China is increasingly large, right? the 100 million people on internet today. Uh, they have their say and they have their opinion to express and they have their need to to coordinate actions not only on the normal social, cultural, commercial activities, but politically as well. So there is always this resistance and repression, uh, uh, the dynamics on the Chinese Internet. The result of that is a endless creativity uh, Satire and sometimes direct confrontation of activities never stop. Chinese internet is never a dull place in in, in a a second, including the on the the narrow sense of Great Firewall. Even they are filtering hundreds of thousands of content websites outside of China. But same time, there tens of millions of Chinese people are using VPN or other tech technology to get around that particular censorship and still access to those information that they're not supposed to access. Mm-hmm. And, and is part of your work helping people access uh, VPNs
0: that function? Because I mean, China has taken an aggressive stance on trying to shut down these virtual tunnels.
1: Yes, but they, they cannot completely shut them down because the commercial needs of those tunnels. Uh, every uh, uh, companies need to communicate to their headquarters outside of China. Then they need those kind of VPNs to do so. Uh, if you really cut off all the VPNs, uh, none of those uh, foreign companies can function inside of China. Uh, that will be devastating. Devastating for Chinese economy. Uh, My work, uh, among other things, uh, are are doing some uh, innovative research on what kind of innovation technology can help the people circumvent the firewall. Because even you trying to uh, get around it, the uh, the technology of the sensor can track you and block your proxy. Then. Uh, what we were doing, one of our, uh, our technology, is to hiding the circumvention channel uh, behind of the large cloud computing services such as Amazon or uh, Google or the uh, Microsoft Azure uh, cloud services. So if the sensor wants to block the circumvention channel, they have to block the entire domain name which is like entire Amazon or entire uh, Google. And that makes the authority, uh, the censorship that uh, sensor uh, uh, stop uh, uh, because that that will uh, bring too much collateral damage for them. Mm-hmm. This technology has been working uh, in the last five years until Google and Amazon now announced that they are no more supporting such use of their services. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now the circumventers have to find other ways to get around great mm-hmm. firewall. But the Chinese innovation state has a, a tradition of creating its
0: own uh, you know versions of things i mean weibo wechat are alternatives to western social media products so does the does the chinese state really need this western technology
1: well chinese state doesn't really need it i mean it's needed in the sense of those many of those technologies that started from silicon valley and the west including the internet itself but china quickly adopted and those technologies are easy to be sort of copycatted inside of china but then the not only a Firewall uh, play a role of the censorship and, and filtering information. It's also play a role on, on uh, the commercial sort of protectionism that uh, st- making those uh, user-generated content type of a co- a companies such as Facebook and Google, uh, Twitter. Uh, Impossible to compete with the local Chinese companies. Uh, they had their market because they get the trust from the government, they got the lesson to occupy the entire Chinese gov- uh, market. And this is a very large market. It, um, as a matter of fact, it's the largest internet market in the world. Therefore, those Chinese companies are growing in that protection censorship space. Not only are they helping the state, to censor and to uh, do the surveillance job. But also, commercially, they're very successful. Technically, they're becoming more and more dynamic and innovative. And the Chinese technology, especially today, with so much user data and without the privacy protection, uh, then those companies are ahead of the uh, Western companies such as Google or Amazon in terms of on the side of the uh, big data and artificial intelligence, face recognition and voice recognition, uh, those technologies. So the new sort of field is that within the Great Firewall, there is a very dynamic China's internet industry, very innovative, but same time, uh, very repressive because they are the component of the state repressive and surveillance machine. You know,
0: one, today, one, one recent uh, scholar suggested that where China is moving to is government governance by algorithm. And the idea that, uh, you know, artificial intelligence can not only surveil and monitor, but can also influence and Push people's attitudes into a certain different uh, to a certain direction. This idea of the social credit system, um, which I want you to talk about, seems beyond Orwellian. This is not only about knowing what people are doing and thinking, but influencing behaviors before people actually even make them. I think there's a Tom Cruise movie uh, that's uh, <laughs> along a similar lines. This is no longer science fiction.
1: No, it's a reality in China, and China is well on its way to such a, a level of the control control uh, of the society. Uh, we were talking about the online sort of resistance behavior, the people's uh, uh, internet uh, users' uh, creativity, and also the evolution of the technology. Uh, As as I said at the beginning, we all see internet giving everybody voices and uh, empowering the ordinary users and giving people capacity to coordinate the collective action. So all these are the hope to uh, top a authoritarian regime, a dictatorship. But the, with the technology developed, we see the other side is winning because at the at age of uh, Internet of Things, uh, cloud computing, uh, big data, and artificial intelligence, what happens is the big corporation, including the a state, such as particularly like a dictator state like China, that will gain so much power through this technology over the individual users and the power uh, you mentioned that, that it's not only just uh, know everything but shape people's behavior the responsiveness of those algorithms and the preciseness of predicting their future behavior are all sort of encompassing in today's Chinese society uh, there are the 800 million people using uh, mobile phones smartphones in China. As soon as you're on the mobile phone and using Chinese uh, uh, chatting program called WeChat and using WeChat Pay and using their geolocations, then your digital trace is entirely in the company's hand and in, in, in the Chinese state hand. And they can use this to influence your behavior uh, in every sense and can predict in the highly precise ways uh, cr- crowd behaviors. Uh, that's on top of that uh, facial recognition uh, uh, technology, uh, the com- uh, surveillance cameras that all over the Chinese city and now going to the average Chinese village uh, within the next decade. Those under the algorithm behind of those large data set those things is happening in other states too uh, countries too but China that without a privacy uh, without the, the, uh, the law protect uh, the limit of a state capacity and every those large companies work for the state on those aspects making China is particularly not only capable of control but because of those data those algorithms are particularly accurate and those technology are superior then the same type of technology, artificial intelligence in Western countries is simply because you don't have so much user data to train your algorithm. I want to ask you about the complicity of Western companies. You've said that
0: if Google, in particular, um, goes back into China uh, and reverses a decision from 2010 to not block search results. In other words, uh, allows uh, China um, the tools to block certain pieces of content, uh, and especially news content. You said that this would have have a, quote, direct impact on press
1: freedom around the world. I wonder if you could explain that. Why around the world? Well, first of all, since Google is such a powerful company, it has the ripple effect. But let me go back to the Google's early decisions into, into China and then pull out of China. At the time, Internet was playing a, uh, sort of a more positive role to uh, uh, the expanding the information space and and, and the internet users uh, uh, capacity to express themselves to access information and I was uh, supporting Google uh, uh, inter China and uh, if they can hold their principle together and uh, even they have to do certain things that are following the Chinese government uh, you know the, the the rule but still have a generally more uh, positive impact to uh, to help the, the the information flow inside of China. China. But 10 years later, situation is very different. Now this old capacity of controlling data and keep all the user data inside of China, this called cyber sovereignty law that in China uh, established, makes any company, including Google, if they go to China, they are only the component of that uh, repressive apparatus rather than expanding the civic freedom. So in this case, uh, Google's effort to go to China only because they want to have access of that peaceful market and no more has a positive impact in terms of expanding the information freedom for Chinese people. Mm-hmm. Then Google also lost its special brand that uh, 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 sort of under social responsibility across the world that they can say no to China, they can say no to censorship. They're innovative and holding the uh, internet freedom is is one of their uh, uh, sort of uh, corporate responsibilities. They will lose all of that by surrender to the Chinese censorship. By extension, then
0: uh, other non-free or totalitarian or authoritarian regimes uh, might seem... Uh, yeah, they'll do the same. The same. Yeah. Right,
1: they'll they do exactly the same. Mm, right, okay.
0: So you've written uh, two pieces for us, one in 1999, I believe, and one in 2003. Um, your most recent one, uh, a lot has changed se- since then. Um, the uh, the headline that we, we gave it was uh, China's Virtual Revolution. And at that time, uh, the, the great firewall and China's censorship abilities were just a few years old. And you optimistically predicted that China's netizens would, quote, guide the transformation of society and determine the country's future. I wonder if you still
1: believe that. Well, uh, in the long term, I still believe that. But uh, in the immediate concern, I actually see the opposite side uh, uh, is true, which is that the state has gained so much more power uh, in the new generation of technology, meaning the uh, uh, cloud computing, artificial intelligence, and big data, that China's on its way to build a first digital totalitarian state instead of simply being uh, uh, overthrown uh, uh, because of the internet capacity uh, uh, for the freedom expression and citizens' uh, uh, capability to act. That's uh, we are facing a new challenge. Those new technologies are helping the ruling elites far more than helping the individual users. That doesn't make me uh, lose the face of the Chinese people and the future of the Chinese state democratic transition, simply because the legitimacy of the regime is still in question. They control it, they have capacity to suppress it, but they don't have a real capacity to convince the Chinese people that the authoritarian rule is really legitimate and can a uh, uh, functioning uh, to serve the justice and and deliver the, uh, the 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 citizen needs of the rising needs of the Chinese population? Yeah,
0: I mean, in some of your other pieces for other organizations, um, you've talked about this kind of you know this quiet army of millions of of. Revolutionaries, people that, that you're talking about, that are that are there, that are talking loudly um, amongst themselves, um, and they and still are, do, right, yeah. right, right. Um, and so the revolution might still be coming, but um, we have to push the uh, the deadline out.
1: Well, of fighting a new powerful uh, comp- uh, opponent. Yes.
0: Right, right. Okay. Um, well, I think that is a uh, a good, if uh, not sobering, place to leave the conversation. So, yeah, thank you so much for joining us here in Prague on the sidelines of Forum 2000. It was very enlightening to speak to you today. Well, thank you. That was Xiao Chiang, a research scientist at the School of Information at the University of California, Berkeley, and director of the school's Counter Power Lab. We spoke on the sidelines of the Forum 2000 Democracy Conference in Prague in early October 2018. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review our podcast and subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Until next time, I'm Greg Bruno.